Hey guys, welcome back to the Working Gals Guide podcast. And you know the deal. I'm here to interview people in all different careers, all different industries, and chat about their journey and how they got there. I'm really here to help you get inspired and really help you find your dream job as well. So welcome to our podcast and thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Working Gals Guide podcast. And I honestly had the best conversation with today's guest. It is, drumroll please, Brooke Michio. So um, a lot of you, I'm sure, already know who Brooke is and maybe follow her on YouTube and Instagram and perhaps as well listen to her podcast, which is actually quite popular. It's called Gals on the Go. So for those of you who don't know Brooke's story, she actually did just graduate college about a year ago. I think she's only 22 or 23 right now. She actually accepted a full-time job after college um, doing tech sales. So she worked there for a bit, but she was actually able to recently quit that job. And she now works for herself full-time pursuing YouTube and also her podcast and building up her personal brand. So our chat today was incredible. It was about everything from getting into a post-grad routine, transitioning from a corporate job into that YouTube and podcasting and working for yourself full time. Um, We really touched on so many things in between that as well. So today's episode is incredible. Brooke is just such a warm and friendly person as well. And really the person that you're seeing on the vlogs is the person that Brooke is in person as well. So with that being said, There's one more thing I do want to mention before we do hop into the episode, and that's that I am actually considering adding in a second segment to our episodes, maybe at the beginning of our episodes, where I perhaps give advice to listeners that write in. So I know everyone has so many questions about career, whether it be, you know, you're in a job, you want to know how to be more productive, you want to know how to stand out. Maybe it's around finding a job and really choosing what you want to do as well. So I know we all have tons of questions and trust me, I still have tons of questions myself as well, but um, I'm thinking of adding in a segment uh, at the beginning of your episodes where I actually just pick one question that writers write in about and I can go ahead and answer that on the air. So if that sounds interesting, go ahead and DM me at our Instagram, uh, which is Working Gals Guide on Instagram and I will go ahead and reply um, to all those you know questions that come in and let you know if we are going to do this segment or not. So if we do, I'll go ahead and add that in for next week's podcast if there is some interest around that. I think it would be great, and a couple of people have already mentioned it to me. So with that being said, um, I really hope you guys are into it, and I think I'd look forward to giving that advice as well. All right, then. So without further ado, let's hop into today's episode. And again, it's going to be a great one. So excited for all of you to listen in. All right. Hey, everyone. Hey, Brooke. How's it going? Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Hi. um, I'm doing honestly pretty well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You're one of my favorite podcasts or one of my favorite vloggers in general. So it's such an honor that you're here today. (laughs) I'm honored. No, thank you for having me. This is so fun. Of course, of course. So I'm sure all of you know Brooke, but to start it off, we're going to do a tell it how it is segment where I say a statement or ask a question and Brooke's going to give us her answer and tell it how it is. So the first statement, working for yourself is more rewarding than working for others. Totally true. Yeah. Um, I've always been a person that like, I need to see the value of my work. And I think that when you work for yourself, it's all in direct correlation, you know, Um, good or bad, but I think it's all 
you see you see the fruits of your labor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense because sometimes when you're working for others or just kind of doing tasks, it's almost like, where is the work going? Like, where is my effort going? And I'm not seeing it in revenue. I'm not seeing it directly like coming back to me in some way. Whereas I guess working for yourself, you definitely see it coming back to you immediately almost or at least down the line. Completely, yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, the second statement, working in social media, you get to set your own hours. Yeah, true. Um, I would say true with the exception of obviously things pop up just like any entrepreneurial job, you know, if things pop up and it's later at night or you are working with people in a different time zone. I frequently work with people in California. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in New York right now or Boston, so like East Coast versus West Coast time zones. Um, and then, you know, it might be 11 o'clock at night and you have to change something, but it's never like but I, I would say yes, for the most part, you can choose your hours. Yeah, it's actually super interesting because I was writing down that question expecting you to say no, just because um, I know how much you have going on between your vlog, between your content creation in general, your Instagram, your podcast, all of that. And I was thinking when you're working with brands and things like that and working with other people and other companies, it's kind of difficult to set your own hours because so much of it is complying to what they can do and fitting everyone together within your like mm-hmm. nine to five or eight to four, however many hours you're working a day. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. I've always been a person though, that I'm like, work a few hours, you know, take a break, work a few hours. And mm-hmm. like, sometimes my brain just works better in the evening. So yeah, that's how it goes. Of course there are deadlines, but usually it's not like a time stamp deadline. It's like a day or a range of days. Um, and I'm pretty good about staying on top of like the hard deadlines, like brand deadlines and stuff like that. But of course, if it's calls or something more structured, those are usually out of your control because that has to do with like the more corporate side. And I'm like, you know, you can put me in for any time because I'm more flexible than they are. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And in terms of like, I guess, like this is one of the questions, but your day-to-day work, do you have a set hours that you work? Like, do you work between like eight to four usually, or is it whenever you feel productive, whenever you feel motivated, you like to just pick up the work and just get it done? I I would say more like the second, what option that you said, um, because honestly, my day-to-day is different every day. You know, some days I'm scheduling a workout class in the middle of the day. Some days it's the end of the day. Um, I try to get out of the house a little bit too. I find myself really productive actually when I first wake up. So I like to open my computer like pretty soon after I wake up and just take care of immediate things. Whether that's like posting a video live, I like to post videos live in the morning usually and then replying to comments or, you know, catching up on emails that I might've missed from the previous day or podcast stuff or coordinating back and forth with with texts and social media schedules for the podcast, Instagram or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I would say it's in waves. I've always been that kind of person though. Yeah, and I yeah. think, I wouldn't even call it like creative energy because it's not even necessarily that. It's just like waves of productivity. And I find that I operate yeah. better when I give myself that leeway. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I definitely identify with that as well. I've yeah. recently started working at home with everything going on cool. currently um, in the world. So I used to work in the office, like kind of typical hours, like eight to four pretty much. And sometimes nine to five, whatever it was. And I'd find myself getting very, very tired towards the end of the day. Like I was extremely productive for the first half of the day. Then after that, my energy would definitely drop off. But working from home, I've definitely been doing those chunks and I'll work like a couple hours, go out for a walk, listen to a podcast, come back in, you know, go do a hike, make my lunch, do whatever. And I feel like I'm so much more productive when I can split it into those different chunks. 
I feel the same way. Yeah. I think that, I mean, we're not robots. We have to realize no. that we're humans. And yeah, I mean, some yeah. people do operate better that way where they're like, I just want to sit down and bang out my day. And then I want to like play video games or whatever. And if you yes. work better that way, then that's great. You can identify that within yourself. Um, but I certainly don't. So I'm glad to hear that you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly me. And honestly, I had such a hesitation working from home versus going mm -hmm. into the office at first, because I was so used to that structure, like that nine to five. And it's like, I knew what to do. I knew my routine. Like I was like so set in that structure. Like working from home, I was so nervous because I was like, I don't have anyone like around me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. No routine. Like have to figure out like what I'm going to have to do day to day. But honestly, it's worked out for the best, I would say. That's great. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of dealing with that. I think a lot of people are realizing too that their work could be done from home. Definitely. You know, jobs that it, it was never a thing to be able to work from home. And now suddenly people are working from home and more productive or less productive. I think they're figuring out or people who have always like begged their employers to work yeah. from home yeah. and then now they're hating yeah. it or whatever it is. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah. It works two ways. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. The next statement or last statement, uh, creating a podcast episode and creating a vlog are equally time and effort consuming. I would say true just because by the time you account for all of the preparation and things like that. And yeah, I mean, they're totally different. I think it's while the content may seem similar in terms of like discussion, things like that. Um, they really are different because I think the vlog is more time consuming maybe on the back end with editing and uploading and things like that, where pod, the podcast, we do have a lot of help from our podcast network. Like I'm totally transparent about that. We right. don't edit our episodes anymore, okay. um, nor do we have to upload or whatever, but we still of course have to do all the marketing efforts where if we just posted a podcast episode, it probably would get half the amount of listens that we would if we right. didn't market it and post it, you know, on our other social media forms and be like, Hey guys, reminder, new episodes out. Um, and then also just thinking of content for that, obviously, if it's just an audio only medium like this is, you have to be a little more interesting, I think, or engaging because, um, it's really easy for people to lose interest. Yeah, that's for sure. Cause I was thinking as well, like I, again, was just writing this question out thinking you were going to say a vlog takes more time and effort. Um, the only reason I was thinking it and because I do not come from that space whatsoever. Like I've never, yeah. before, like, that's not what I do. Um, this is just me like looking at things, watching mm -hmm. things, and kind of just making an assumption. But I was thinking of vlog just because you have to get dressed up. You have to do your makeup. Cause like, you're obviously going to be on totally. Yeah. And you kind of have to make sure your surroundings look good as well. Whereas like a podcast, it's more so you can just wear whatever. Like I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now and no one can tell. And exactly. <laughs> totally fine. Um, and you can do a lot of the editing afterwards too. And I guess I was thinking the editing was going to be pretty much the same between a vlog and a podcast, but again, interesting to hear your take on it. Um, just because obviously you've, you're so well-versed in both. So super interesting. I think it's also like getting your systems down for everything. So it's while podcasting, yeah, we've been doing it for a while now. It's still like the newer of the two. So we definitely try to make it and of course there's episodes where it's like, let's just have a conversation and see where it flows. But if it's one of our more like prepared, like well-versed episodes where it's like, we're going to, you know, give specific tips on something or talk about specific topics um, that requires thought or even just like preparing anecdotes. Cause I don't like to go into things blindly. And then yes. I would, I, yeah, it's always disappointing when you record an episode and you know, it could have been better if you oh, would have yeah. prepared a little bit more. So yeah. Yeah. I have a question though. So I just yeah. listened you your guys's cheese board episode it's just so funny like I saw the title of the episode and I'm like am I gonna want to listen to this because honestly <laughs> I I'm totally get it not a cheese person I don't even know like the cheeses out there but yeah. I was listening to it and I was so interested the entire time 
And I was like, this wow, is really interesting. Thank like, you. Did you guys prep a lot for that, like you personally, or was it just like, this is exactly like what I do? Like, this is the cheese I like, this is like how I prepare it. And you just kind of went for it. <laughs> That was, um, yeah, we did. That one, it was like a few topics. I think we said like boys, cheese boards and like confidence or something else like that. So yeah, we went into it and we were like, hey, we've been getting a lot of questions. We noticed from our listeners about like these three topics. So we're like, all right, let's hit it. Um, And we did discuss that before. Danielle and I, sometimes we use a Google doc to like make sure that we're not going to overlap or just to kind of get our thoughts like concurrently on a page, I guess, um, which is really helpful, especially for like, just business in general, because we are, she's in Florida, I'm in New York, you know, we're not really together. We're together only really a few days a year now. So we try to organize a lot of our stuff that way. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And actually a question coming off of that, is it weird working with a friend? Because you guys were friends before you went into business together. So how is that relationship and has that changed whatsoever when you're actually going to business with her? It's a really good question. I think it, for us, it's really strengthened our relationship. And I think we just work really well together. We haven't, I've heard other stories about podcasters that have fought or have had disagreements. And I think we're both really good about knowing when to give in kind of, not even like give in, but like, I like things a certain way. She likes things that they're a certain way. And we kind of, because right. we've had that friendship underlying first, yes. we know, we know what's more important to certain people. And I know, for example, like, Danielle's really into clothes. So the merch is really important. Designing the merch and getting that all together is really important to her. So if I don't particularly love something, but I know that she's obsessed with it, I know that that's where I can compromise. Yeah, um, so I would, yeah. So I think having the friendship for us was really important first, but I've heard, I've definitely heard the opposite where it ruins a friendship. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it's really risky, I think in some regards, but also because our friendship was always founded because we both did YouTube. So it was a non-conventional friendship to begin with, kind of. I think that has something to do with it too. Yeah, it's awesome to hear your relationship is actually strengthened. And Mm -hmm. honestly, you can see it. Your guys' chemistry is so cute. Thank you. Good energy too. Like you can tell you're such close friends. I've definitely listened to podcasts out there where you can tell it's almost two random people that were brought together. Totally. It's so forced and awkward and like, there could be good content out of that too. And I think it's, it's beautiful thing to like see the relationship develop yeah. over the course of a podcast and stuff like that. But I prefer to listen to two people that have chemistry too, whether it be yeah. a relationship or friends or um, I listened to one recently that's mother daughter, you know, that's so like cute. That. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was our tell it how it is uh, segment. So thank you Fine. so much for taking part of that. Of course. Um, <laughs> said, um, let's go ahead and introduce yourself. So do you mind just telling us a sure. bit of- I'm sure people do kind of have an idea if they're listening to this right now, but just a quick overview if that's okay. Of course. Yeah. So my name is Brooke Michio. I know no one ever knows how to pronounce the last name. It's three <laughs> syllables, Michio. Um, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. I went to school at the University of Georgia, actually. Um, it seems like a random choice. It really wasn't that random, I guess. And then I graduated last May, so that was 2019. So I'm about to be like one full year post grad, which is crazy. crazy. Yeah, and I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm quarantining at my family home on Long Island. Um, but yeah, I have my place in Boston, and I'm uh, I moved there because I had a job originally. I graduated and accepted a full time job in tech sales. Left that job, and now I'm just doing social media, podcasting, YouTube all of the sorts full-time. It's been great. So much going on in your portfolio. It's exciting. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. I think it's, 
it, it it's it's great like I really am so thankful because I'm like busy at the same time but I'm not like overwhelmed and mm-hmm. I think that's what it was like when I was trying to do everything at once with my job and you know it was yeah, that, that was just too too much but I think it's important to recognize that in yourself and know like when it's time to step back from something mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah definitely like I actually was so curious about that because when yeah. you're working full-time with like a full-time job like you're working full hours plus you're commuting and I know like you're probably commuting quite a bit in Boston mm-hmm. as well just because like I'm kind of familiar with the city so you're probably commuting quite a bit it's eating up a huge amount of your day and your other like things in your portfolio essentially like the podcast and your mm-hmm. Instagram and all of that like that isn't just a side hustle for you like you have full businesses in that realm as well totally so was it like having essentially two full-time jobs when you're trying to do both? Yeah, it, I would say yes. Um, obviously, honestly, yeah, the the social media piece of it was lacking, I think, during that time. I leaned on a lot of help. I did hire like a video editor, which helped me a lot to kind of condense the load in terms of video editing. And we did have help on the podcast end, but there were, uh, of course, ideas that I would come up with and be like, I simply don't have the time to film this because I would get home from work and be really tired by the time I got home it was like you know after six o'clock or whatever so then it's like really and I was waking up at like five or six every morning so uh, I mean that was on my own accord I would say well I had to leave the house by seven basically to get to work but I wanted to be fully ready and have my morning yeah so it was just I felt like I was stretching myself a little bit too thin and I kind of like did the assessment one day of realizing like risk versus reward basically I was like I'm running myself into the ground And maybe if I, you know, put all of my eggs in this YouTube basket that I've always wanted to do, YouTube, social media, you know, maybe it could be it. And I I obviously made sure that I had the financial security to do that before I just like took this leap of faith. And yeah, Yeah. it was a great decision. So I know not everybody has that. Thank you. I know not everybody has that option. And I think what what I always like to remind people is that this is something that I've been working on through college, through high school. It's not just like... And I had to remind even my coworkers that because I remember my coworkers at the time were like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. Like, I'm so sick of this job. I just want to quit and do nothing too. And I'm like, well, number one, I'm not quitting. Yeah, I'm not quitting to do nothing, of course. And this is something that I've been working on quite literally like half of my life. Half of my existence on this earth was like doing this, you know? So yeah. It's it's like your baby because you've built it up. And Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Is there anything that most people have done for that long in their life, especially being in like your twenties and you're out of college, you've only yeah. had your job for like a year, a couple of years, maybe. So you having your YouTube, for example, like you've had that for years. Like that is mm-hmm. something you built up for yourself. Like that's part of you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I feel that way too. So I think, and I think some people do get it. And then other people who don't maybe don't understand social media as much. And I don't think they mean it in a negative way. I think it's out of jealousy in a positive way you know like wow that's so cool Brooke can go do that but at the same time it's more so like confusion and I think maybe someone like you who like listens to podcasts or um watches vlogs like kind of understands the angle that I'm coming from yeah for sure and how old were you when you actually started your YouTube channel um so I originally started a channel before this one and I was doing like music videos have you ever seen these type of videos okay I'll have to so I would it. do, so I would do like photo booth videos on my MacBook of like lip syncing to songs with my friends and like dancing around in my backyard and stuff like that. And I would like edit them together and like show my family and be like, look at these, like I made these amazing videos, whatever. Um, so I had that channel in like middle school. So that okay. was, I don't know, how old are you in middle school? Like 12, 13? 
Yeah, that was pretty early in the game then, because YouTube was just kind of becoming- It was, it was. I was, like, that friend, like, finding the YouTube videos and, like, showing their friends, you know, like, I'm trying to think, like, shoes and, like, what else? Um, Like, all those, like, viral videos when we were younger. And then um, deleted that channel, kind of dealt with, I'm not going to say, like, I was bullied, but, like, obviously it was weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I decided to make my own channel in, like, ninth or tenth grade. And that was this one that I have now. So that was, I think it was like 14, 15. Yeah. Did you make it like known to your friends and like people at your school that you had a YouTube channel when you were in high school? Or was that something you kind of kept to yourself or you just had with like your followers and subscribers Mm -hmm. and things like that? Yeah. I told a few friends. um, I did because I had some friends that were like in my videos on that channel um on my like channel that I have now a yes. lot of those videos have been taken down because they were like also really embarrassing because I was still very young in them and like figuring <laughs> out myself and whatnot um but obviously it spreads you know and then like my group of guy friends found out and like they were actually pretty cool about it but then like you know they tell the other guys at school and then whatever um so it eventually got out there my parents I think knew all along and then right yeah yeah it just kind of became known I feel like overall then that yeah, I was the YouTube girl <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's so cool to me. And I wish like I like knew someone who jumped on the bandwagon so early just because I think it'd be cool to see that progression, especially with someone so close to you and see like how it's evolved. Cause obviously the game has changed quite a bit. Since yeah. Like, oh yeah. It's been quite a bit since then. Um, like even me as just a viewer, I can tell like the technology is different. The way people film is a little bit different mm-hmm. as well. The editing standards, for example, as well, probably seems a bit different too. Um, so yeah, super, super cool. Thank you. Um, and I did have one of those friends actually who was kind of like an early starter, not in creating videos, but she was definitely on there. Like she knew about YouTube right away. Like she yep. I remember being at her house one time and she was showing me these videos. I have no idea what it was about anymore. I cannot remember, but it was just so funny because I was like, what are you listening to? Like, what are you watching? Like no one even like does this. Like I know. And it was so weird and confusing, but then it's like, now we look back years later and we're like, wow, they were like on it. Like they knew <laughs> what, cause I remember what the old YouTube even looked like. Like it was like a sketchy website. <laughs> if my parents really knew like what YouTube was back then, I don't think that they would let me like post videos and stuff like that. But right. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's fine now. Cause it's it all true. turned out. Okay. It turned out fine. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> But that's interesting because because you started so early did you always know from like that young age like maybe like 14 15 16 that you wanted to one day pursue YouTube and like your personal brand full-time one day or did you always want to go into marketing did you always want to have like a tech job and things like that that's a good question I I think I always secretly wanted this for myself but I didn't really believe in myself enough to achieve that you know I always looked up to those people who had like more I don't think it's all about the numbers because I know plenty of people who do this full-time and have you know 50,000 subscribers so it's not about the numbers um but I did look up to people who had you know the millions of subscribers the hundreds of thousands of subscribers at the time and we're getting all these really cool opportunities and I was like wow that's so cool like I'm just gonna keep grinding this and like see kind of where it goes but so it was always like a goal, I think, in the back of my mind, but um, I didn't really know if I could achieve it. Like we said, I always had the plan to go to college. It was never a question in my mind. There was a lot of people in my, I went to college in 2015 and that was a big year where I remember a lot of YouTubers that I watched opted not to go to college or do like an online college, which is still a degree, of course, but it's totally different than where I was going in big state yeah. school. And you so move, I think you need to move to go to your school as well. Like that's a big change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think that's what kind of differentiated me 
in a way as well because then I started making like these college videos and grew that kind of audience up so yeah yeah it definitely makes sense and a question about I guess like content creation and kind Mm -hmm. of being so early in the game you always really have people to look up to like there's no like mentor that's like 60 right now that was yeah true in terms of like getting an idea of like what to do and how to do it like I can only imagine it must have been so confusing because right now for example for my job I can go ahead and talk to so many people about you know like getting mentorship and even just googling online excuse me my voice (laughs) Um, but so for you like how did you get all of that ideas and like how did you get the mentorship that you needed to grow your channel yeah I did um I I mean I like I said I looked up to a lot of other people who made videos and I think that's what a lot of YouTube still is kind of taking inspiration from others or uh everybody puts their own style on things their own flair and everybody has their own things that make them special you know for me right now I would say like I live in Boston not many people live in Boston or maybe it's because like I'm really close to my mom she's in a lot of my videos whatever it is so it's always about like putting your own flair on the videos and I always tried to be good about that because I didn't just want to be a clone of another channel I don't think that's what makes a successful YouTuber at all Mm -hmm. um but I will say like just seeing what's popular back in the day it was doing these sit down style videos of, you know, showing off products and it's transformed so much into such a vlog heavy world where now it seems like if I'm not posting a vlog, it's not going to get views. So if it's not like a casual kind of handheld video. um, So I think it's just being aware of, you know, where the platform is going and how it's changing and what's really working and what's not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess like you probably have a lot of analytics that you can use to understand that as well. And you've probably gotten like better at analyzing that and deciding, okay, like this means this. So that means that I have to do more of that or less of that. So yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, I try not to let the analytics like drive. I mean, I look at views and all that stuff. That's more like the driving factor. But like, I think it's really easy to drive yourself insane working in social media and looking at the analytics because it's like, wow, this post didn't get enough likes. Is it because I'm not good enough? Or is it because the photo I posted was stupid, you know, it's really easy to like, let those thoughts consume you. So I try to do that in balance. But of course, that's what pays the bills at the end of the day is not like the likes, but views on videos and things like that. If my videos aren't performing as well, it's time to step back and like reassess. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. You mentioned like there was a a part when you went to college and Mm -hmm. you started doing certain YouTube videos and vlogs, it was more so like college centric. So what was that transition like in terms of content after you graduated from college? Did you have to kind of adjust your outlook and the the kind of content that you're pushing out as well? Definitely. Yeah. Um, So a lot of my college videos were college vlogs or just college advice in general. And I followed, I think, a few people. I'm trying to think of specific names, but people who had graduated college and they started showing their work and their like full-time job. And that's something that I had accepted my job at this point. I was like, all right, I'll just transition my channel to more of like a career channel, I guess. And honestly, I didn't really see it taking off the way that it did. I was like, you know, I'm sure that these will do fine, but all of a sudden those were my highest viewed videos ever. And that's like when my channel started yeah. doing the best, which yeah. it's ironic because it's like, here I am stretching myself to and doing, you know, these job, these multiple jobs. And it's like, am I, am I, if I left that job, you know, would my views still be as high? That's what a lot of people had asked me. And like, yeah, so it's really, I got myself into like a really interesting situation, but 
it, I've always been the type of person to like take my followers on like the journey of life with me. And like now I'm showing my self-employed life or whatever else I'm introducing now, dating, friendships, post-grad, yes. um, you know, my apartment, like just life in general. And I think there's more to me than just like my workplace. Yes, yeah. definitely. And you're so open about it too, which is great. Like it makes everyone watching feel invited into your life, which is just, you know, not everyone does that when they're, you. Not everyone does yeah. that for, you know, a personality on Instagram either. Totally. So it's definitely something that I appreciate in you, for example, like when I'm watching and looking and listening and all of that, like, I think it's so cool that you're able to show so much of it and, you know, show the positives, show maybe some of the things that are challenges as well. It makes you so much more relatable, which is honestly it's incredible to watch. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. And that's always the angle that I go for, I think, too, is like, you know, I might not have the most technical editing skills. I might not have like these other things that other YouTubers have that I love watching. But if I could be real about my life and share, you know, the highs and the lows mm-hmm. and make somebody feel more comfortable in their life and be like, wow, Brooke's going through it, too. Yes. Like, then that's it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes when you're listening, you don't also necessarily want like that aspirate, like crazy aspirational person. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And like, for example, for myself, I'll watch like the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills if I want to watch yeah. crazy aspirational, right? Like that is like, okay, out of my league currently. Um, but that's what I want to watch when I want to see those crazy things. Mm-hmm. When I'm listening to someone kind of day to day, like I do want them to be motivational, inspirational, like again, like you and Danielle are in your podcast, for example. But at the same time, you still have elements of I guess, like realistic things that are identifiable to me in my life as well, where we're kind of like the same age and we do the same things and you can just kind of identify with a friend group and things like that too. So it's a lot more relatable. And I would say like content, again, that's more authentic and kind of like on the same level as the listeners, they're more likely to listen to it more and more. Whereas again, using the example of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I absolutely love, by the way. Yeah. You can watch it, but how much can you watch is almost the question. Like you want it kind of like in bits and pieces, but I couldn't watch it every day, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of you accepting your full-time position in college, that must've been an interesting move because I mean, you went into marketing, which I guess can relate to content creation, but you said your job was in tech sales, which is not quite, you know, the traditional social media marketing that you did. So what mm-hmm. made you want to make that decision of expect, accepting a position that was a little bit different than what you were used to in terms of your day-to-day work and podcasting and YouTube and all of that? Yeah, I actually really don't regret that decision because I wanted a job that really didn't touch what I did on the back end because I had done a social media internship before and I just felt like much of it it just related a little too closely to my work and my personal life. And I kind of didn't really want any overlap in my professional and my like personal work or my like side hustle, if you wanted to call it, which I think is the main hustle. But like, I really, I really, I, I thought that that's what I wanted all of college. And that's kind of why I studied marketing. And I still think marketing is like a great field. And like, I'm so glad that I studied that. Um, But I kind of wanted that separation. I wanted to do something completely different, something that I thought that I had the skills for, um, you know, in retrospect, was sales for me? Probably not. Like, I think, um, um, I think honestly, right now with podcasting and YouTube, like I'm doing what was meant for me, at least for the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a lot of professional mentors throughout college, several actually, who yeah. have all told me to pursue YouTube and podcasting. Like, um, you know, when I've gone to them for advice or like, where do you see me going? Like, they've all told me like, I see you doing your social media stuff full time. Like, you know, right. Like you're gonna be really successful with it. And I, I kind of took it as an insult. I remember. So I was kind of fighting with myself being like, 
all these people, they don't think I'm good enough to get like a good cushy job. Like I, I'm going to prove them wrong kind of, right, which right. that's just like the Aries in me, I guess. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I'm just, I've just always been like that. Like, and they, they meant it as a compliment, but I, I sit over here and I'm like, I take it as like a personal attack. I'm like, they don't think I'm good enough. Meanwhile, here we are. They were right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. I think sometimes it's good to explore those other options because if you totally full time, it might have been unlikely that you ever go back to a full time position at a tech company doing sales or really mm-hmm. anything else, right? So it's probably good to get that. I don't want to say out of the way, but to experience it early on and exactly have the opportunity to do so. I'm such a big proponent of like trying something and like I'm not out here telling people to like quit their jobs and like try something new because I understand that's not realistic, but. I think it was cool of me to try something that was like totally out of my wheelhouse or not something that I was like really sure of or whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think that that's, you know, when you're 22, like that's what you can do. So, yeah, it, it's so true. And I thinking like for myself, at least like my personal philosophy is that you should take risks after graduating college Completely. in terms of career and any other risk that you want to take as well. Like it's a good I want to say it's a good time just because you're fresh out of college, you have that experience and Mm -hmm. the first job that you get out of college is not necessarily going to dictate the rest of your life. And of course, again, like just putting it out there, like, of course, only if you have the means to do so, take that risk in terms of of course, of course. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, like for myself, like I took a job that I didn't necessarily think I wanted to do in college. I actually didn't even know it was a job when I was in college. So for me, like I grew up wanting to be a business analyst and that was like my goal. Anyone that asked me, I was like, I want to be a BA. I want to be a BA. No other questions asked. Like that was the only thing, like a one track mind essentially. And, you know, lo and behold, this other opportunity came to me. I said, yes. And I'm so glad I did. It was a risk in some senses. The company was smaller than the company I saw myself at kind of envisioned myself at, I would say when I was in college and even just about to graduate, I was like, I want to work at this large, large corporation. Anyways, I accept a job at a startup and, you know, I'm, I'm taking this position that really, again, isn't necessarily like what I thought I was going to take, but that risk has paid off tenfold, 20 fold. It's really paid off for me. So I'm definitely a huge advocate of taking those risks if you have the opportunity to do so. I feel the same way. Yeah. And obviously like what you said, it is like a privilege, obviously to be able to explore that. And I understand like extenuating circumstances exist and stuff like that but if you do have those abilities to you know try something new like this is that's the time to do it I would say like it's better to explore those things you know post-college than when you have a family and kids maybe like later down the line or something like like that or or more financial obligations I guess yeah yeah for sure so in terms of after college what was a bigger challenge for you getting used to a new routine in a new city where you necessarily didn't have a ton of friends around or i don't think you had any family either around Mm -hmm. or getting used to the new routine with a new job i think probably the new routine with the new job uh because i will say so the program that i did it was a program so many of uh, all of us who were entering at the same time were also post-grad so i really didn't struggle making friends at all and everybody was really open to making friends because we were all kind of uprooted from our college towns and mo- living in a new city. And while we didn't like live in the same area per se, like yeah, we made it work, you know? That makes sense. And, yeah. And most of us had a car because we had to commute to work because we worked outside the city and there's no public transportation really in that direction. So it's either like you would share a car with someone or like you had your own. So okay. transportation, yeah. like to see friends and things like that wasn't really a problem. And I, yeah, I was just really lucky. It was like really fast friends 
And I did have a few friends in the city from social media and things like that. So I was definitely okay in that regard, especially at first when everybody's just looking for friends, I think. Yes. Um, but I, I would say the routine of corporate life, I, I had done internships before in corporate, but this was something new. Um, getting used to really structuring my day and sales, I will say is different. It's not really like, you know, from nine to 10, you have to do this. It's kind of like you have da- like daily and weekly objectives and like you can kind of structure your day how you want. And I didn't realize that that really is more difficult than it sounds because it's really easy to slack off or be like, Hey, I could finish all of my work in the first half of the day and then like chill and like play games yeah. the second half of the day. And like, that's yeah. sometimes that's like what the office culture is, you know, if everybody's doing that. Um, so I think that was more of the challenge for me. And I, w- it, it was interesting. It was hard to get difficult to get in the rhythm of it. And I'm not even going to say I ever fully did. I was only there for like a few months. Um, yeah. but yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's okay to give yourself time to get used to that or friends or whatever, you know, it's, everybody has their own struggles with post-grad and. Okay. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, it, it's so true. Like post-grad is a weird time for sure. Um, like right now I have a lot of friends who are graduating and their big struggle is, you know, the struggle of finding a job, the challenge of that. And then also totally. of course, the challenge of just getting used to, you know, this thing that you've done your entire life since kindergarten or preschool, uh-huh. old, you're like three or four years old, like this thing that you exactly has just been ripped away from you essentially like it's the one thing the one constant in your life that Mm -hmm. year after year day after day you know it's part of you so it's definitely so weird kind of getting that I guess ripped away and I feel the same way yeah exactly right And, and sometimes I think that you know graduation is this thing that we look forward to for like our entire lives like I remember being in like middle school being like I can't wait to graduate college and like, which is such a crazy thing to say, because like, you're just looking forward to the end, and then it ends. And then after that, it's almost like, I wish like I was still there, because it's so comfortable, and I'm so used to it. And I have my friend group and all of that. Completely. Yeah, I think, I think that it's a, it's one of the hardest transitions of your life, honestly, let's be real, like what you said, yeah, you've been in school since you were what, in preschool, that's just what you're used to, even if you claim to say, I'm not a good student, or whatever, it's just what society prepares you for, if you choose to go to higher education, of course, Um, and that's, I I know that's what I was used to, so it was a big change for me, I remember, like, when the fall rolled around, and I was, like, I had that realization, like, wait, I'm not, I'm not going back to school, like, it's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're, like, I see the leaves turning colors, but I know I'm not going back to school, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, like, it doesn't add up in your head, something doesn't, yeah, and I think that's another, for me, that was a positive, actually, realizing, um, I didn't realize that I carried so much anxiety with school, and just pressure on myself, and stuff like that, so I, I really felt a lot of freedom, I know, like, fall of last year, because I was, like, wow, this is really great, you know, I put in all that, all that work, all those years, and now, like, I'm looking at my diploma right now, like, I'm good, yes, um, so I don't know if you had something similar to that. I know yeah, some people yeah. love school and like they're school people, but I was like ready to be done. <laughs> no, that was absolutely me. Like I was like, it feels weird to be done, but I'm so happy I'm done. And I was not the kind of person who was like, I want to go back for my master's right away or do more school. Like that was not me. Like I was like, I'm done and I'm done and I'm done. And like, get me really? out of here, your real job. <laughs> I feel the same way. And uh, like, then I found myself like over the winter, I was like, maybe I could, you know, 
go yes. back for a, yeah. like something else. And I, I'm not considering it like in the short term and like yeah. the thought of actually going back to school, like it sounds so much better in theory. And then I remember like the test anxiety and stuff like that. I'm like, never mind, never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes just even thinking about going back makes your brain exhausted for just like, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. you can't even like fathom studying and like buying textbooks and reading. I know. There's cramming always, again. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's like always this lingering feeling I felt when I was going to not so much high school, but more so like college and university, where it was so much like I always felt like every single day could have been doing way more in terms of study. I felt that as well. Yeah. And like I'd almost feel guilty if I was spending time like with friends or like spending time like watching TV or like whatever I was yeah. doing. It was a guilt thing for like no reason because I was only like, I was still doing okay. And like, you're still doing fine, but at the of same course. time, it's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. And just that you feel like you could have always done better in a way. Like, I don't know if you're like that. I've just always been really hard on myself. Yeah. And, you know, especially comparing yourself to others. I've always been like that in a school setting. I'm like a pretty competitive person as it is. So like, yes, you know, yeah. taking classes with my friends and if they did better than me on tests, I would put that pressure on myself and hate myself. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I don't think school was the best. I mean, I'm not going to say that school is like, I think school gives everybody a sense of pressure and anxiety, but it's like everybody puts it on themselves in different ways. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Exactly. And yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm happy I'm done. Maybe I'll go back one day, but it won't yeah. be time soon. We'll put it that way. <laughs> same. Yeah. So in terms of the transition that you had between working full-time to now working for yourself, which again is so amazing. Congratulations on Thank being you. able to do that. Cause that's, you know, especially at a young age, it's not something that most people can do, but you're able to do it, which is great. Totally. What's that transition been like? And um, how's your routine changed like day to day? Has it changed a lot? And are you finding yourself more productive as well? Yes, I would say yes to both. Definitely more productive. I mean, I always like what you said with school. I always feel like I could be doing more with my business and things like that. And I've kind of learned to get over that and be like, you know, there's, there's a really, there's a big balance in this life. And I, I could enjoy my life and take things day by day and like, you know, continue on the path that I'm going, or I could overexert myself and over, you know, overdo it. And maybe my mental health would take a toll, like whatever it would. And I could slip into those old patterns of when I was working two jobs. So I was like, uh, honestly, I'm happy on the path that I'm going down. Like my growth is like sustained. It's slow, but it's like steady growth. Um, I kind of have an idea for the, like my income every month, because, um, I would say a lot of my sponsors and things like that are pretty consistent Mm -hmm. and just my multiple, I do have multiple streams of income, which I think is really important for someone who works, who is self-employed because yeah, yeah, you don't want to rely too much, especially in these crazy times. I've seen, you know, the rug be pulled from so many people so quickly. So I think this is a time where it really shows how important that is. Um, and of course I'm so lucky to have that. I never want to take that for granted. Um, so yeah, my routine has totally changed, obviously, because I don't have to go to an office. Um, it's yeah. really, I, I have a co-working space that I'll go to a few times a week for more like those administrative days where I'm like editing or doing more like computer work. But honestly, working for my apartment works out just fine because if I do need to film something or grab content of any way, like I have my space, I live by myself, which I think is great because I don't feel embarrassed being too loud or being, yes. you know, doing things in positions and things like that. So honestly, it's totally changed, but it's for the better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And um, yeah, I feel like it's definitely something like when you do make those big changes in your life and hitting those big milestones, essentially, like routine is always going to change. And 
you know, sometimes you might not get into the groove right away, but once you do, you can definitely find out like what's working for you, what's not working for you. And the more we experience in life as well, like the more that we're able to hone in on what's good for us and what's not. So for example, for myself, like I know in whatever routine I have, I need like activity and exercise to help me be like rejuvenated, for example, like that's me being productive. And on top of that, for example, as well, like I do need my morning coffee. Like I don't care what I'm doing, I need my morning coffee. So like little things like that where like you just figure it out about yourself and you know what's working, Completely. you know what's not working. You can just kind of set that routine for yourself as you go along. I feel the same way. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize, like, that's so great that you could recognize, you know, I know I need movement to like, for whatever reason it is, I feel the same way with like stress. Like it's a great stress reliever and it doesn't even need to be every day for me. Maybe it's just a few times a week, Yes, but I look forward to those times that they get to do that. So I completely agree. Yeah. So cool. So in terms of working at like a bigger corporate office or corporation, there's always going to be a company culture. So when you're working for yourself, do you in some way cultivate a personal culture almost like with yourself and your brand and the way that you're portraying yourself to other people as well? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um, I would say that I'm like a pretty professional person, but at the same time, like I, I always love for like my humor and things like that to shine through or to be casual. So even when I'm on business calls and, you know, obviously I do keep myself completely like casual Mm -hmm. and poised and things like that. But I always get to be like, I'm friendly with these people, you know, if they work at like a PR agency or whatever it is, or even just my manager, like he, he, so he helps me with my brand deals and things like that um, on the back end. So I still I'm getting all the emails he's just helping me kind of field emails and help me with contracts and like legal work because that's where it gets a little a little weird um and payment and things like that too and negotiations he's really great with that stuff and even with him like I would say it's a really professional relationship but at the same time you know we can talk personal we can talk family relationships and things like that and I've always been that kind of person I'm like a really open book and I guess that has kind of shifted into like the culture in a way. Cause although I do work with myself, there are many people I interact with in a day. Um, I'm always, you know, in communication with Danielle and people for, from podcast one for gals on the go. And then my manager on the YouTube side and then brands on that side. So while I do work for myself, like I'm always in constant communication with others. Which makes sense. And like you were saying, like being able to show your personality and your humor, I think that's so key, honestly, because like a charismatic person, they like a personable person. Like they don't want to always be talking to, you know, the most, like as long as you can be professional, but show that personality too. Totally. Because I feel like a lot of people, they can either be one or the other. And sometimes they're not both. Being able to have both, I think is a quality that you have to hone. And some of us and some people are definitely blessed to like, just be like that in general. But yeah. It's definitely key because those are the kind of people that you want to work with. They're the kind of people you trust and the kind of people Mm -hmm. that you really want to surround yourself with and build a business with as well. I feel the same way. Yeah. I know when I like meet someone that's really, like you said, charismatic and just like Mm -hmm. fun to be around, like you want to work with them more. That's just kind of how it goes or you want to travel with them or whatever it is. So I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely all right so last question before we do wrap it up um in terms of growth in your youtube channel instagram your podcast would you say you had one video that kind of went viral and that kind of just like skyrocketed you and your brand or was it more so a slow growth over the years definitely slow there were periods of time that i could definitely point out and say you know summer of like 2016 i know i grew a lot or this past summer i knew i grew a lot or sometimes it's like around vlogmas because I'm posting every day. So there's definitely periods of time on my channel. But even with that, it's a month or two long, two months of a prolonged period as opposed to 
one video that just hit the jackpot. And honestly, I'm really thankful for that because I think that with that, my audience really knows me. And I've seen that happen with so many people and it's really uncontrollable. And like, I would be, I would be happy to like go viral too. Of course, like I think everybody wants that, but at the same time, I don't want to be known as let's say like the girl who had like the crazy iced coffee story time, because that's what happens with these people who go viral. And then it's like, they they go viral from the one video but the audience doesn't really see them as the full picture like the full persona that they are so I'm really thankful that my audience really knows me and knows me as like the multifaceted person that I am I feel like yeah yeah, and yeah I always say like my audience like I don't think that I have like a small audience by any means but I would say that I'm in like the micro influencer range or like medium size um and we're we're small but we're mighty like everybody like I yeah they I feel like my audience really I connect with them like they get it and I just get the most incredible personal anecdote uh, anecdotes of messages of you know how my videos have helped them or how they're going through something similar them trying to give me advice and it's so special yeah for sure and I think it's comforting to hear because there's so many people out there like you know that I hear about or like I see on Facebook groups or whatnot that have a very small YouTube channel have a small Instagram have a small podcast for example and their struggle is, okay, like, I don't know how I'm going to grow this. And I think hearing that you, for example, spent years cultivating your kind of community and cultivating mm-hmm. your personal brand as well and your content and all of that, so, comfort- so comforting to hear because I think that some people kind of expect to just, you know, okay, I've released like X amount of things and I should be viral by now. Like I should be huge by now. I should yeah. have 100,000 subscribers by now because other people have had that where it's like, no, not necessarily. It may take a couple of years. It may take, you know, even more than that sometimes to grow up what you're trying to build. And I like, I think a lot of patience, a lot of persistence and definitely probably consistency as well, I would say is necessary in building all of that up. Completely. I feel the same way. And I think that if you're in it just for the numbers, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. You know, if you're in it just to say I have X amount of subscribers or whatever, like I said, I know plenty of people who do this full time and have you know, audiences that it's like, you, you wouldn't believe it. You, could, you couldn't believe that financially they could pull that off, but it, it is. And it's all about cultivating that community, like you said, because I know these people who have incredibly strong communities and it doesn't matter what the size is, as long as the yeah. community's there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Brooke, so much for coming and discussing today. Um, before we do wrap it up though, where can people find you? Where can they find the podcast? Where can they find your Instagram and anything else as well? Oh my gosh. Awesome. Okay. So I'm at Brooke Michio, M-I-C-C-I-O on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube is just Brooke Michio. And then my podcast is called Gals on the Go with Danielle Carolyn. We post new episodes every Wednesday. Amazing. I will definitely also put all that in the show notes. So I'm sure all of you are already following Brooke, um, but if not, it'll be <laughs> there for you to follow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate any comments that you leave and any rating that you leave as well. Five stars would be fantastic. Um, Also, of course, if you enjoy, please follow us on Instagram at Working Gals Guide.